I mean, it's, you know, it is biblical in many ways, this uh, process that's taking place. And, uh, you know, as we go through this transition period and, uh, you know, what, what we may refer to as, you know, the fourth turning or, you know, this, this idea that every 80 years there's huge either economic or societal uh, upheaval. Mm. Um, but it eventually, you know, uh, paves the way for a renaissance of some kind. And so I very much agree that, you know, we are in that period right now. And um, I don't know how much longer it might take for us to see the other side. I hope not too much longer. We have proposed a system for electronic transactions without relying on trust. We started with the usual framework of coins made from digital signatures, which provides strong control over ownership, but it is incomplete without a way to prevent double spending. To solve this, we proposed a peer-to-peer -peer networking using proof of work to record a public history of transactions that quickly became computationally impractical for any attacker to change if honest notes control the majority of CPU power. Satoshi Nakamoto. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the What is Your Bitcoin Story podcast with your host Gigi. And today we have a remarkable guest with us, someone whose journey through the financial world has been nothing short of remarkable. Ben, uh, a distinguished graduate of University of London with a degree in development economics, embarked on a career that led him from the bustling streets of Wall Street to the dynamic world of cryptocurrency. Ben's story is one of evolution and adaptation. After completing his studies, he dove headfirst into the traditional financial sector, spending a remarkable seven years on Wall Street, gaining valuable experience on both the buy side and sell side. His impressive resume includes stints at prestigious firms such as Alliance Bernstein and MSCI. There we go. But the most intriguing part of Ben's journey came after his time on Wall Street. He ventured into the exciting world of commodity trading, establishing a trading desk in Latin America. Here, he immersed himself in the intricacies of trading physical commodities from metals to chemicals. And then in a pivotal move, he sold his company back in 2021, pivoting decisively into the realm of cryptocurrency. In the fast-paced world of digital assets, Ben's expertise found a new home as he launched CryptoQuant's institutional business, as well as discovering, uh, as we will be discussing in this episode, CryptoQuant is a pioneering on-chain data and analytics company that has been making waves in the crypto space. Ben is currently dedicated to the formidable task of scaling this thriving enterprise and contributing to the evolution of the crypto landscape. So join us as we delve into Ben's captivating journey from the halls of academia to the heart of Wall Street, and now to the forefront of the crypto revolution. His insight and expertise promise to be true treasure trove for our audience, shedding light on the ever-changing dynamics of the financial world and the fascinating intricacies uh, of blockchain technology. Stay tuned for an engaging conversation that's sure to leave you inspired and informed. Welcome to the show, Ben. Hey, Gigi, great to be here. Uh... So good that G Money could put us in touch. Thanks again. <laughs> You're very welcome and pleasure is all mine. So with your extensive and vast experience of the traditional realm, as we just covered in the introduction, how and where did you come across Bitcoin and where does your Bitcoin story start, Ben? Well, you know, probably like 
a lot of people, to be honest. My my Bitcoin story really started with Silk Road, you know, uh, in in some of the earlier days. Um, you know, before that, I was quite interested in Tor, the Tor project, Tor browsing, and things like that. Internet privacy, but also free and open information sharing. Um, and so I'd gone down that rabbit hole pretty early on, uh, and you know, really just as I would say uh, a viewer and and just doing you know my own research at the time and just seeing what was out there, just you know, curiosity overtaking me and and seeing what was out there. Um, you know, uh, I had known about Bitcoin uh, from that perspective, understood that it was the uh, money of the internet at the time. Um, I didn't in, ever invest in any, you know, I was, um, maybe not skeptical, but perhaps I just, you know, it was not as easy as it is today to set up a Coinbase account or something like this. Uh, and so I suppose, you know, I was a, a younger man. I didn't have enough money to part with in the worst case scenario, but really, you know, it started there. Um, but, uh, that was college. I, I quickly graduated and then you know, wanted to earn some money. So I, I really dove headfirst into traditional finance. I was in London at the time and I had moved to New York um, and kind of put the other stuff on the back burner, you know, and focused on building a career as a starting point, you know, understanding that I needed to a, a build a base for myself first before I could do the things that I really wanted to do. So, you know, I spent uh, around seven or eight years on Wall Street um, and then that's kind of after that, that's kind of when the really interesting story begins. <laughs> yeah. So, so I guess, I mean, you said you, 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 you came across Bitcoin early on, but kind of you, it, it was too early for you at the time. And, and you were like, I, I might not, you know, throw some money into it and, and see where it goes. But I guess Bitcoin came around then um, when during or post your Wall Street experience. Is that correct? Yeah, really. I, I got into it when I was uh, at MSCI. Mm. Um, around 2017 was the first time that I, um, actually invested in cryptocurrencies. So, uh, it was actually Ethereum. I think it was trading around a hundred dollars and I did it on eToro. Uh, <laughs> and, and that, that, uh, exchange doesn't come up too often anymore, but eToro and yeah, Bitcoin was trading at a hundred dollars. I threw a thousand dollars into it. I don't know how long it took, but that turned into $2,000 pretty quickly. And I think it was Christmas actually, because I I said, oh, I need some, I need to buy some Christmas presents, so I sold it, bought some Christmas presents. Um, but you know, I I thought to myself, there's something here. This is this was one of the you know fastest growing investments. I'm not sure what it is, but I'm gonna do some more digging. You know, and do some digging on Bitcoin in particular. Um, you know, all of my colleagues at the time, this was probably you know around 2018 at that point after Christmas, right? And my colleagues were like, you're crazy. You know, crypto is, is not a, you know, investable asset by any means. Um, <laughs> some of my colleagues did actually leave MSCI and traditional finance at the time to go work in, you know, blockchain companies or uh, companies uh, on the periphery of Bitcoin. Um, but a lot of the people who stayed really just were, were not, a, you know, were not bullish at all. Didn't think that that was an investable asset. Um, which I thought was very strange, at least not to give it some thought, you know, a little bit of a deeper investigation. And that was kind of when I woke up in a sense, uh, because it didn't align with anything that we were doing in terms of, you know, just the seeking 
you know, information and, and trying to model any type of asset, no matter what it was, no matter if it was, you know, some of these assets that led to, to the 2008 financial crisis, you know, those were assets that we were modeling and, and we didn't take a subjective view on them. We took an objective view. Um, and that wasn't the case with crypto or Bitcoin. Uh, and so then I started thinking more deeply about what was going on at MSCI and all these financial institutions, not just from the perspective of money, but the perspective of all of these different processes that, that took place, you know, the stock market in general, uh, how, how we incorporate you know, Chinese stocks into these indexes and whether they need to meet the same type of rigorous um, compliance or accounting standards as U.S. stocks do. And if they don't, why, why don't they? And are U.S. corporations mm. or, or U.S. funds rather going to be investing in these stocks? And what are these stocks really doing? Are they owned by the Chinese Communist Party, state-owned you know, enterprises? And uh, you know, red flags started popping up. This was 2018. Now you know, we see some uh, you know, articles and some, um, some new things popping up. What is it? Almost five years later about uh, those red flags that I was kind of thinking about. 2018, uh, I had left MSCI and, and I do want to say MSCI was great. I mean, the people I worked with there, you know, I'm in business development. I learned all of that from them. You know, incredible people and really, you know, actually the smartest guys in the room, some of the risk managers I worked with you know, helping, helping uh, institutions to manage some of these extremely complex financial instruments. But I left MSCI, I had a you know, very good year and uh, didn't get that promotion that I wanted. Uh, so I decided, okay, I'll, I'll take my winnings instead and do something on my own. And it wasn't crypto or, or digital assets or Bitcoin at that point. It was, I wanted to learn Spanish, actually, that was the biggest <laughs> thing. And I thought this was an opportunity. So I went down to Latin America, uh, learned Spanish, but uh, in the mean, in the process, launched a company, um, and that was a commodity trading company that I partnered with a, a United Kingdom-based commodity trader to help them open up a South American arm, essentially distributing and trading uh, non-ferrous metals and chemicals uh, within the gold mining industry and the uh, engine manufacturing and agricultural industries. And I spent about just over three years doing that. Uh, and in that industry as well, I kind of saw the red flags and some of the issues that were occurring. It's like, it permeates through everything, you know? I mean, it's money, right? It permeates through everything. And so, you know, issues there were trade finance and cross-border, uh, you know, payments and settlements and the issues that, that arise and the stranglehold that banks have on these commodity traders and you know, they're not able to use things like Bitcoin or stable coins to make their processes more efficient. Um, and so that was, you know, kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. And I said, right, I gotta, I gotta, I can't fix this from the outside. I gotta go back into the inside. So I took some of the skills that I had from MSCI and quantitative data and analytics and decided to apply that to the, um, you know, the Bitcoin and the digital asset space broadly. And what stood out to me was, you know, the blockchain data on the Bitcoin blockchain specifically, because this was where the innovation was. It wasn't the market mm. data that's, you know, uh, extracted from exchanges. It was this data that's inherent in the blockchain. And raw so data. <laughs> raw, the raw data that we extract and try and make sense of to understand 
the financial activity you know underlying these different uh, ecosystems. Amazing, amazing, and I think that's that's one thing that also to myself kind of to to me why Bitcoin like gave me this this awakening was was this auditability that anyone can audit the chain at any time um and then as you said in the traditional market so or if we take the federal reserve as an example it's been around for over 100 years never been audited yet we still have to trust it you know and uh, as we see trust is broken on on ongoing basis and the beauty about bitcoin is the 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 open source and and the on-chain data as you said the the fact that anybody can audit it and and I guess once you apply the, the sophisticated skills that you had from, from your past um, career chapter and, 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 and analyzing on, on, online data, I mean, on-chain data, it must have been a fascinating period uh, in your life. For sure. And, and there's still light bulb moments, you know, even all these years later, all these years later. Um, you know, one of, one of the remarkable light bulbs for me that went off was the fact that Bitcoin isn't just an asset or even just a, you know an accounting ledger, it's really the fact that it's a settlement network in and of itself. Mm. So uh, that was quite you know quite remarkable when when that kind of clicked, and uh, you know it's it's all these different things wrapped up into one, and it and it kind of takes the problems that exist across various different industries and sectors. And solves them in this, you know, beautiful protocol that's Bitcoin. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And I mean, just just some problems on top of my top of my head. I mean, especially people that that, that come from emerging countries and and doing remittance payments and like sending money home. The the, the traditional system was kind of crippling them and and just rug pulling them left, right, and center. No matter if you did the bank wire. Or you use the, I don't know if it still exists, but Western Union and all these crook institutions that took 20, 30% fees, uh, which was crazy. And, and you had to wait and you had to go somewhere. And now instantly, you know, just from your app, you can download whatever it is, the wallet of Satoshi, top it up, send it off to anyone and to your distant cousin in Fiji. And in 10 minutes or less, you will have it. And, and, and it's just, it's, it's remarkable. And then not even talking about kind of layer two solutions. Like, like Lightning Network that we've been having for a lot of years and, and it's picking up more and more, especially for microtransactions because I don't really see the use case of, of going to your local Starbucks and, and paying with Bitcoin on chain. But, you know, with Lightning Network, it's instant payment and it's like, it's a fraction of a fee. It's what, like less than a cent. So, I mean, I think still, even though Bitcoin's been around for 14 years, as you said, the light bulbs still keep coming on to you, uh, to me the same. And I'm sure... Everybody else that's deep in the space, they, they still have ever so often, you know, another kind of puzzle adds to the picture. Um, and I think, yeah, there's so many things that, that we could build on top of Bitcoin and how Bitcoin could really change our lives uh, for the better that we can't even comprehend yet. Because as we said, 14 years to a certain extent is quite a lot of time. But when you look at the big picture and, and the traditional finance and just the money markets, they've been around for centuries and thousands of years, you know, so... Who knows, you know, with that, that, that Satoshi Nakamoto wrote the white paper where described as a peer-to-peer -peer, um, cash settlement uh, protocol. But I think there's a lot more that we can do. And I think a great example now is, and, and maybe a question that I'd like to bring up to you, Ben, is, for example, Nostra, right? Which we've been seeing a lot of censorship um, on, on traditional social media, maybe the Twitters, the, the, the Instagrams. I'm not even talking of Facebook. Facebook is in a league of its own on, on censorship. Um, and then kind of we see, you know, other, other 
platforms, decentralized open source platforms that are, that are being built and, and are integrating Bitcoin into it, may that be through 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 Zaps and, and the Lightning payments and who knows what, what what comes next and just the the general data ownership that you can prove and everybody can see. You know, Ben owns this, Gigi owns this. Uh, it's it's powerful stuff and and I think as Gandhi's quote goes, first uh, how does it go? First they laugh at you, then they fight you. Um, and then basically they join you and you win. So I think that's kind of, he truly talked about Bitcoin because the governments, no matter was it the US government, the Russian government, the Chinese, the Saudis, they've been bashing it for years. And now slowly, slowly, they're kind of realizing if we don't adopt it, we're basically going to get get shoved out the room. And, and, and I think we're still yet to see this massive Bitcoin hyperization where, where countries are going, you know, cutthroat, who's going to scoop the freshly minted bitcoins, which soon in about seven, eight months is going to be only 450 Bitcoin a day. And uh, oh, my God, I think exactly. that the fireworks are yet to pop off. What, what do you think, Ben? No, exactly. I think uh, to your point of, you know, governments getting involved right now, um, you know, not that I'm, I'm, you know, hugely concerned about governments getting involved or not. I think that you know, your point to the people on the ground. Know, especially in third world countries and and being able to finally get their hands on you know a a store of value for them that doesn't you know constantly have them you know breaking their back to to just uh keep their head above water is you know the most the most remarkable thing and and the thing that everyone should focus on the most uh i i was working with um you know, I was, well, I guess I was uh, collaborating with people down in, in Latin America when I had my commodity trading business. And uh, that was when I was kind of first starting to stack quite a lot, very consistently. And I was always, you know, from my days of, of being on tour and onion uh, browsing, uh, you know, KYC and, and things like that always were, you know, I always thought of it quite um, as a, just an obstacle. And so I had a buddy who, I would be, you know, giving uh, current local currency to, and, and he would be giving me and sending me, you know, satoshis to my wallet. His name was Anderson. I ended up calling him the Anderson Protocol, but uh, <laughs> it, uh, you know, helped him out, helped me out. Now I think, you know, KYC is not a problem for me. Bitcoin is very much in, you know, in, uh, you know, well known. I, I don't mind people knowing I have Bitcoin. Um, and to your point about uh, the you know free kind of freedom of information and, and people getting banned off of Twitter and Nostra arising as a result. I suppose I've always been quite domesticated in the sense of um, I do like to go down the conspiracies, but I don't like to broadcast it as much. Mm. Um, but I've seen you know people. Yeah, I mean there was a big the the big Twitter culling right, and and G money got kicked off, and and a bunch yeah. of people got kicked off of Twitter. They're back on there, you know. Um, definitely for for better for <laughs> now, for now. Exactly. Um, some people aren't back on there yet, you know? Um, so we'll wait to see, see what that really means. But, um, yeah, I think like, you know, the freedom of information and, and being able to talk about some of these controversial ideas that hopefully will become less controversial over time is super important. And yeah, governments, like we said, now even governments are in the open you know, mining Bitcoin. I think Oman now has launched some, some large operations or started to fund it. Yeah. My question is, you know, 
that is one route. I'm curious to know when governments will just or federal reserves will just straight up start, you know, producing money, printing money in order just to directly buy Scoop. Bitcoin <laughs> and and what the implications of that will be. I mean, obviously their currency will be, you know, completely devalued, but there'll be a, sp- a you know, a certain amount of time before people catch on to it potentially. Mm-hmm. Will that, you know, be hyper bitcoinization, you know, this theory that people talk about? I don't know, but you know, maybe something like this is already happening secretly behind the scenes. Who knows? Who knows? That that's a good point. I mean, to to add to you what, what you said about governments printing more to 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 stack sats. I don't know if they're stacking sats, but as we see through through the whole pandemic sham that we had, how much the governments were printing. Like the 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 printer was working overdrive. It was it was steaming. I mean, it was how much money was was entered into the system, yeah. and we were promised this soft landing and and low inflation and uh i don't know the latest cpi numbers came out this week or last week and they said oh there's 3.2 percent inflation but then you go to fill up your gas tank at the gas station and it's like it's just creeping up every month and 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 just across the board everything's is flying high and people are like how is this happening and and then they don't realize it's 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 the machine printing out more money so actually i hope the governments were 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 allocating some of that freshly printed 30 fiat to to stack in sats i don't know if they have or they haven't but certainly some governments as you said doman and and there was another country um bhutan do you know of of bhutan uh i know of the country but i i don't know what they're doing do you know in, what they're famous for Bitcoin. so so the bhutan is is there was a few years ago there, there was like um um it was like an index for for finding the happiest country in the world. And Bhutan was by far the happiest country in the world. Mm. And then a few months ago, it was leaked. Um, actually, I think it was during the, the whole SBF saga and, and, and all these major corps that basically got, got, got rug pulled. It came out in balance sheets that, that Bhutan was holding like thousands of Bitcoins with them. Uh, and it's interesting, right? The, the happiest country in the world's been stacking sats for for quite some while, and 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 I think w- w- one one thing that resembles with me, and when we we discussed this with one guest prior um, to this recording, is kind of the deeper you go down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, and, and the more that you understand it, the more humble and and the better person you become, a, a better father, better husband, just better role model, and and. I'm sure you, you you experience that through yourself, but but there is truth in it that that Bitcoin doesn't just fix the money problem; it, it fixes a lot of psychological and and even to a certain extent spiritual uh, factors. I I like to think of myself as as a more or less a, a spiritual person that likes to practice spirituality. And the deeper my Bitcoin story goes, the more it intertwines with with spirituality and just being one with everything. And and you know, kind of. Even growing on on the Stoic ideas, which I love Stoic philosophy, and and I find a lot of things that I can relate to 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 the Bitcoin journey. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's you know it is biblical in many ways. This uh, <laughs> process that's taking place, and uh, you know, as we go through this transition period, and uh, you know what what we may refer to as you know the fourth turning or you know this this idea that every eighty years there's huge you know, either economic or societal uh, upheaval, mm. um, but it eventually you know uh, paves the way for a renaissance of some kind. And so I very much agree that you know we are in that period right now, and 
Um, I don't know how much longer it might take for us to see the other side. I hope not too much longer. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of societal um, issues that are really uh, kind of, you know, coming up and, and, you know, the veil is lifting and people are starting to wake up and it's painful for a lot of people, right? Um, mm. And, you know, I think people have to experience the pain to truly seek the truth. And the truth always, you know, when you get on the rabbit hole, it leads to the same place, right? Um, yeah. And so I think very much so that's Bitcoin and that is, um, you know, a, a new form of store of values. People don't have to continue breaking their back in order to just stay afloat. Mm. And uh, I totally agree. I think there's more to it than just, um, you know, a new type of money. You know, yeah. it's very much... Um, is very much in line with this kind of uh, evolutionary cycles that we we go through every so often. So <laughs> it's an exciting time to be around, right? Definitely. Well, uh, I you know I argue. With my, my parents tell me sometimes, you know how they you know they say how how life was amazing when they were kids and 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 it was a great time and everybody got along and and I say yet yeah, that you know it, I wasn't there. It probably was amazing, but like the current time that we find ourselves with with just like the, the power of internet. And to a certain extent, people a lot of times tell me always, is Bitcoin the next internet? I kind of, I like my theory is Bitcoin finishes what the internet started, right? Bitcoin allowed us to transact with anyone. The fact that we're having this podcast right now is all to internet, right? But mm -hmm. we never had these means of transacting value over the internet. And, and with introduction of Bitcoin, uh, I mean, it, it just kind of puts this whole thing together. And, and right now in the world, I mean, yeah, we're going through some chaotic times and, and, and a lot of things is not making sense. And as you said, the, the veil is coming up and people are realizing the emperor really isn't wearing any clothes. He's butt naked. He doesn't know what to do next. Uh, but I think kind of in the current period of time, if you just put a little bit of your mindset to, to, to do something that's meaningful to you, you can have an incredible life. You can be living wherever you want. You can really adopt a 100% nomad lifestyle, have your laptop, have your internet connection, have your Bitcoin wallet and essentially don't really need anything else. So what happens next and where does this lead us is a good question. Um, I personally think this turbulent, this kind of reset period that we're going through now um, has only just begun a few years ago. And I think it might even take a decade because people just take and systems they take, as you know yourself from, from your history um, and experience, it takes a long time for systems to change. It doesn't change overnight, right? And, and, and people are very adamant, especially people in power, no matter if they're bankers or, 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 or the government officials, uh, they're comfortable the way business was for years. But uh, now that the tides are shifting, and, and especially I'm very hopeful on Generation Z, uh, which, which I just bypassed. Um, and I don't know if you, if you know, Ben, but the, the, the world's biggest generation, uh, the biggest population is Generation Z at the moment. Um, and they keep on, you know, entering and, and delving deeper in, in, into this chaotic world. And they have a very different point of view at looking at everything. And to them, kind of Bitcoin is it's just second nature. There is no converting or orange pilling. It's like when a Gen Z turns 18 and he needs to go, you know, start transacting and he needs to go to the bank and wait for three months and send his CV, his mother's birth certificate, <laughs> underwear size. I mean, like the, the, the stuff that the banks request now it's it's just ridiculous. And then on the other hand, you can just go on the app store, download the wallet, as you said, find your own Anderson protocol, 
give him this dirty fiat, get your sats, <laughs> or if you want to play around with other cryptos, play at your own discretion, be my guest. Uh, and you can instantly have, you know, your, your, your transacting tool. So who knows how this world will shape, but uh, I'm on, on, more on the contrary that, and I agree with you, Ben, 100% that we are going through this digital renaissance um, where, you know, even, even the jobs of the future, who knows what's going to happen? I, I, I'm a strong also believer that the educational system is, is super outdated, not just our monetary system and kind of the stuff sure. that kids are being taught today. Um, I went through it myself. I, I actually also studied in London uh, back in 2011, and I studied business administration. And when, and when I finished my course and it was kind of time to get into the markets, I kind of knew nothing. I knew this theory and, 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 and you know, Keynesian stuff and, and, and Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Fantastic. <laughs> but that's not going to pay my bills at the end of the month. And then it was kind of like, what do I do? And then I jumped from all sorts of jobs and I realized, wow, it's a, it's a sham show to a sham show. And then, and then kind of when I discovered Bitcoin, things really started aligning and, and I felt good what I was doing. So I, I guess you have a similar kind of feel for it, right? Going from Wall Street, going to, to, to the exotic Latin America, trading commodities, traditional commodities, and then kind of going with, with, uh, with crypto quant and, and kind of going on your crypto journey. Yeah, definitely. And uh, interesting you say, so we were probably both uh, in London at the same time. I mean, I Maybe. graduated uh, in 2011, but uh, okay. so I was there. I was in London from around 2008 to 2011. Um, and but yeah, in terms of, you know, where where this is going to go, I think right now we are living with one foot inside of the old world, one foot, uh, one foot inside of the new world. And so you know, we all, well, not all of us, but like, I'm sure a lot of people do still, ex, you know, receive salary and fiat. They wonder what are they going to do with this? Um, you know, I got to spend it right away. Cause if I, if I save, it's going to, you know, go up in, in smoke. So, um, I obviously encourage stacking sats. It's what I do. Um, I think, you know, this idea of diversifying, you know, is still relevant today maybe in the future it may not be as relevant blackrock said you know an overwhelming allocation to bitcoin is actually a good idea so maybe this idea of you know complete diversification isn't uh what what is truly right for every person um but you know because we are kind of in limbo or, or kind of making a transition i think you know while bitcoin humbles us and makes us you know you know seek truth and understand um you know, what issues exist in, you know, traditional finance and, and the way things were working um, is obviously extremely beneficial. But, you know, we still do live in this world where it's fiat based, it's, it's dollar denominated. And so um, it's painful on the one side, but it's also, you know, there's uh, a very much a strong light at the end of the tunnel. So I'm looking forward to, to what's next. I'm looking forward to building crypto quant and uh transitioning everyone uh and working on on the inside now actually g money is just started to work with us so he's going to be such a huge uh help to to crypto quant and pushing really for a bitcoin future oh, so wow. he's about to orange pill your entire team i'm, I'm sure <laughs> about that <laughs> yeah well i think uh not much is needed for our team but uh, hopefully we can orange pill the masses the so yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. 
Well, tell me, uh, mentioning CryptoCoin, I, I wanted to ask, like, how, how much of, a, of your operations um, focuses on, on, on analyzing Bitcoin? I mean, I'm sure you, you, do, you, you work with a lot of other blockchains, but kind of how much emphasis is, is there on Bitcoin? Um, well, definitely the majority okay. of, of what we do is Bitcoin. In terms of the content that's created, um, you know, I think of it like, so the blockchain, the Bitcoin blockchain, we extract the data, we turn that data into, let's say, metrics. We mm. take those metrics and it goes to analytics and analysis and insights and narratives. And the overwhelming majority of that and, and the story to be told is Bitcoin related. Mm. Um, but there are other narratives that, are, that exist out there and, and some people adhere to them and adopt them and, and they fix certain problems for them. Um, but really, Bitcoin is the central focus. It has been and always will be. And I believe it, it is like, you know, it's the absolute model that we want to see going forward for money. Mm. But I do, you know, I do believe that you know, money wasn't the only problem. There was, there was deep, deep problems in the financial system. The, the stock market is, you know, it's, it's truly, uh, that's the stock the market in my, that's, <laughs> and that's the wild west in my opinion. It isn't Bitcoin. <laughs> Actually the stock market's the wild west. Um, and so does that need to be fixed and can mm. Bitcoin fix that? Or can we use other technologies to fix that, you know, trustless technologies? And is it, you know, borrowing from Bitcoin or is it borrowing from technologies that actually existed before Bitcoin, you know, in the nineties? Um, and, and this kind of goes back to my interest in things like Tor or things like, um, you know, uh, blockchain as a triple entry accounting system, you know, and all of that 30 years of research that led to Bitcoin. Can any of it be, you know, um, diverted into helping other things using a similar type of you know, immutable ledger uh, technology? that uh, is permissionless, that needs no third parties, because third parties typically always want to control things. So, um, but really, yeah, Bitcoin is, is uh, where, where I began my journey and most people on our team, I believe, but definitely it's going to be a future, uh, a plural of pluralities. And I think <laughs> that, uh, yeah, it's just going to be, it's just going to be so interesting to, to watch everything unfold. Amazing, amazing. Well, uh, I, I'm waiting then for for the future rebranding of of crypto quant to Bitcoin quant. Uh, <laughs> I guess it, 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 maybe that'll happen someday. But it's it sounds really interesting. And and yeah, I mean, all the listeners who of the podcast who who haven't come across crypto quant definitely go check it out. And and I think you will you will learn a lot. Um, and definitely, it's it's a great resource to use and, and kind of visualize um, a lot of what's happening be, behind the scenes and. I mean, looking at the meme pool is, is fun to be a new band, but the average person looking at the meme pool is kind of like, what's happening here, right? Like doing these models and visualizing it uh, plays a huge role. Um, great. Exactly. I mean, I think we, 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 we covered um, a few interesting points. Um, Maybe I, I would like, like I ask all my guests on, on the show, um, I would love to ask you, Ben, what is one piece of advice, or it can even be two, it's not limited to one, uh, that you would give to, to people that are still on the sidelines and do hopefully listen to this podcast, are, are still yet to, to accumulate their first stack of sats. What is your advice to them? How do they, I mean, not, not in the sense of how do they get started, but kind of what is one idea that you want to plant the seed in, in their mind? 
You know, I, I think about that a lot, actually, you know, because um, a lot of people close to me are, are still are still skeptical, right? And so mm. I think that, you know, use, even using the word Bitcoin, it doesn't need to start with Bitcoin. You know, it, it can start with, you know, what's, what's some problem that exists for you, mm. you know, and what's some problem that exists for you and, and try and look into it deeper and see why that problem exists and dive as deep as you possibly can into that. And for some people, it may be, um, I don't know, it could be voting, you know, it could be the elections, or it could be something like um, their retirement fund and, and mm. you know, dig into it and, and find out what the root core is, because I think all roads eventually lead to Bitcoin. And so it doesn't have to be, you know, knocking someone over the head with Bitcoin, you like know, but eventually it, uh, it'll, they'll lead, they'll lead themselves to, to that answer. So um, that's, that's the kind of approach I like to take. Amazing. Well, reverse psychology works wonders, and, and I like it. You, you start with the problem, and then you lead them, hold their hand towards the solution, and, and at the end they get face smacked by Bitcoin, which is much better than, than trying to kind of orange pill them from the beginning, say how fantastic Bitcoin is, this, that. I think that's, that's why also a lot of people are, are kind of skeptical on it, because you know, like kind of the, the, the true, especially the Bitcoin maxis there, in, in some sorts at times a little bit toxical and it's like overpowering. It's like Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. But uh, I like what you said with the suggestion. So you guys out there who, who, who want to kind of orange pill your, your family um, and, and your circle of friends, start off, as Ben said, with the problem and lead them towards the, the solution, which at the end, in 99.9% .9 of times, Bitcoin is the solution. So uh, yeah, I mean, Ben, any, any last thoughts or, or remarks you, you want to leave on, on, on the show? Yeah, I just want to say the Bitcoin maxis, we need them. You know, <laughs> we need them uh, if for not anything else other than their fantastic memes. Um, <laughs> but uh, we need everyone, to be honest. And um, so, yeah, I look forward to, to Bitcoin maxis, having discussions with them having discussions with shitcoiners, you know, the whole gambit. So thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It was great to speak with you today. Amazing, Ben. Well, pleasure is all ours. Thanks a lot for taking the time. Um, I know time is very valuable. And um, yeah, I mean, last, last thing, if people want to get in touch with you, what is the best way that they can reach you um, out, out of our listeners? Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, feel free to reach out, uh, Benjamin at CryptoQuant.com. Um, you can visit our website, cryptoquant.com. You know, we're open to everyone. Our data and analytics is, you know, not uh, only for the financial institutions. We also have a pretty robust B2C market, you know, of, of you know, retail individuals just looking to go a little bit deeper into understanding the financial activity that Bitcoin and other digital assets represent. So, yeah, thank you so much. Amazing. Well, there you go, guys. You know where to go to, to, to learn deeper about, about the, the Bitcoin rabbit hole. Once again, uh, Ben, thanks a lot. And, and we would love to have you back in the future as, as your rabbit hole journey goes deeper and deeper. We'd love to hear where it takes you next. All the best and uh, speak to you soon. Thanks, Gigi. Good luck. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of What is Your Bitcoin Story podcast. Remember to subscribe and share with your friends and family. For more valuable Bitcoin resources, visit our website at whatisyourbitcoinstory.com. Keep stacking sats, stay safe, and spread the Bitcoin revolution.